from the In Search of America Project, copyright 2015, David Robert Farmery. Podcast date, May 11, 2015. On May 13, 2011, the waters of Bayou Shane had already risen significantly. Concerned for the well-being of the gravestones of his mother and his uncle, Ruse Seneca Sr. felt it was necessary to visit the gravesite, especially since the following day the gates of the Morganza Spillway were scheduled to be opened to relieve pressure on a swollen Mississippi River. Along with his son, Gene Seneca, they traveled nearly an hour by boat up Bayou Sol, then along a section of the Atchafalaya River, and finally the long stretch of Bayou Shane. When they arrived at the cemetery, the water level had already reached the gravestones. Worried that the pending flood would wash them away, Jean managed to lift each gravestone one at a time and carry them a considerable distance back to the boat. The large stone cross, which was too large and too heavy to move, was left behind. But before leaving, Jean drove an anchor deep into the ground, then secured a heavy canvas strap around the neck of the cross. For nearly the next four years, the gravestones resided at Jean Seneca's house. The early morning air of April 21, 2015, was dense with moisture and heavy with a penetrating chill. This was the day that Jean had chosen to return the gravestones to the cemetery at Bayou Shane. As Gene exited the side door of his house, I noticed he was wearing a lifting brace secured tightly around his waist. He had decided the night before that a dolly would be the best way to move the gravestones to the truck. Gene had created somewhat of a sacred place for the gravestones to reside while on hiatus from Bayou Shane. It was a small garden of iris plants planted around the base of a tree. Submerged within these plants were the two gravestones. Behind them and leaning against a tree was a moderate-sized handmade wooden cross. Pushing back the iris to expose the gravestones and to make somewhat of a pathway, Jean then took the dolly and positioned it in front of the first stone. With a reverence, he pulled the stone back, turned, and began to push it towards the truck. Once that stone was positioned, he returned for the second one, and again, with the same reverence, placed it onto the dolly, removed it from its resting place, and transported it to the truck. As the gravestones were secured in the back of Gene's pickup truck, he told me a bit about them. Voris Diamond, he said, died when he was 19 years old of typhoid fever. Addie Diamond, his grandmother, died when she was 25. Both were born, raised, and died in Bayou Shane. It was the only home and the only life they had ever known. Jean then loaded another type of dolly into the truck's bed, one designed for deer hunters, it had larger wheels and a wider wheelbase for navigating the rugged terrain. With that, we climbed into the truck and headed to the boat put in at Bayou Sol.
Before putting the boat into the water, we transferred everything from the bed of the pickup truck, including the gravestones. It was a challenge, but one that seemed ideally suited for such a pilgrimage. The water was high and flowing with a strong current. We made our way up Bayou Sol, fighting against its resistance. I sat with my back braced firmly. My feet were positioned up on the small deck of the boat and pressed against the gravestones, providing them support against the bouncing as well as the numerous and sometimes sharp side-to-side turns in order to avoid the debris of floating logs that cluttered the muddy river. As we approached the expanse of the Atchafalaya River, running perpendicular to us, it was no surprise to see an even stronger current awaiting us. As we prepared to enter the Atchafalaya, Jean throttled up the outboard engine as we transitioned from one body of water to the other, then turned the boat a sharp right, bringing us in line with the river, once again traveling against the strong current. A pleasant surprise awaited us, however, because of the extremely swollen river, the dike that blocked the old entrance to Bayou Shane was now overflowing with water. This allowed us to enter in the place that the old timers used, those who lived in Bayou Shane decades ago. It was, in fact, the same passage that Addie and Voris would have taken when they were alive, in the only passage of Bayou Shane that they would have known. In Search of America podcast, copyright 2015, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at keithmedleymusic.com. <laughs>